0: You're Mark fan now. That's how it works. What? Got Jason Tebow in the house. What's up? Punch Fuck drunk. Fuck yeah! Coach of R. 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 Sam Triple. You,
1: you got it, guys. What's up, Sean? What's up, Dan? How are you guys doing? You English bastards. Where are you guys at in England? You're in England, uh, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, it's, it's it's you would have never heard of it. It's a little town called Corby. It's like a what fake Scottish town. Um, it's close to. Northampton. Do you know what? It's close uh-huh. to London. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's about an hour train from London. Right. Be, I'll,
2: tell the or, I'll tell you the origin story. We're both from the same town. I live in Weymouth, which is the south coast of England. So that's where they uh-huh. did the it's where they did the twenty twelve Salem Olympics. Okay. Um so I don't know if that helps. Yeah, everybody out. knows that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Twenty
2: twelve, why didn't you say? But um so um, yeah, we come from this town in the middle of England and a bunch of Scottish people moved there during World War Two for the steelworks. And uh, okay. they, they never left, so we're the offspring of these quasi English Scottish people. That's why we got a weird accent.
1: Oh, uh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, so.
2: We're half Scottish, basically.
1: Yeah. Half Scottish, okay. So, Scott the Scottish aren't known for drinking like the Irish are known for drinking. No, yeah, who we'll drinks more? I-, I go Irish probably first, then I say English people mm. before before Scottish. Well, every English person I know can knock down drinks no problem. Yeah, I'm a. I went to, I'm the like,
0: exception. I'm a pussy.
1: Yeah, no, same here. We Are drink, you really? We drink. I was just vitus. thinking about you. We <laughs> I was just <laughs> thinking that about you, Sean.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs>
2: we uh, I went to Ireland for the first time when I was 20, 25, meeting some lady. Yeah. She was a nice lady. And uh that's the sound of this. She drank I like where um, this is going. She drank me under the she, table. She was a <laughs> she drank me under the table, but like you wouldn't believe it. She
1: that's hilarious. And
2: then took advantage of you. No, no, unfortunately not, but yeah, she's a nice enough lady. That's
1: is that nice. where you were was a... that
0: story was going?
1: Yeah, I thought like she, I woke up with in a threesome and I had a fucking <laughs> cucumber in my ass. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs>
0: Alaskan pipeline in the freezer. All sorts of shit. <laughs> <laughs> i bet you're Do in you know a bathtub of ice. Alaskan pipeline? Ice in...
1: Alaskan pipeline? <laughs> uh, yeah. I would, okay, can I guess? I don't know what guess, it is, guess. but let me Go guess. On, you take a dildo and you freeze it oh, for three days really? and then shove it in your ass until it melts and then you pull it out. Oh, yes. Do you
0: know what? You have a point for that. But right.
1: Okay. It's what when is you it?
0: shit in a condom, then put it in the freezer, oh. then use it as a dildo.
1: <laughs> That's a fucking I mean all of it i'm down for sounds great hopefully a little little early in the evening for me to get into an alaskan pipeline but it's not (laughs) off the table it's not off the table for the evening but the shitting in a condom thing really it almost requires like help from a buddy that's like scientific procedures
2: you need a a spotter for that thing wouldn't you technically
1: absolutely a spotter absolutely a spotter
2: you're gonna need some sort of appliances to help you know see the rear end at least a fucking mirror of some sort you know like a little banner
1: you need extra hands because you know you gotta fucking hold a condom open and here's the thing you get a spotter and i go oh, fucking sean i need you to come over I need you to hold this condom open while i shit Wait, it I mean, now why a I good friend <laughs> you look like a guy that's held some condoms open for for some shit in your day i'm just gonna throw that out there but then then you go here's how you know it's a good friend a good friend doesn't even ask why they just show up yeah that's he, true he is I, that kind of thing like a friend and go well, now why are you shitting in a condom you know why i'm shitting in a condom bro alaskan I haven't pipeline i've
0: been to alaska but you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go to alaska to understand alaskan pipeline bro have you been to alaska i've been to alaska yeah no. What's well, i'm like? fucking uh, that so, now
2: What's the story behind Alaska? Like I heard it's a place where perverts like have to relocate to,
1: or like witness protection, like Henry Hills and shit. Yeah, that is true. I'm in Alaska right now, and my <laughs> name is Sam Tripoli. Now, uh, <laughs> the uh, I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. I mean, it's very. De- I mean, there's so much of it is desolate. I mean, the reason America bought it was oil. Mm. You know, we found out there was a bunch of oil in it, and we we're like, hey, how about you be the 50th state? <laughs> <laughs> jackpot full of oil sitting right above was, Canada that nobody gives a fuck about. You've gone up to 51 now, haven't you Washington, D.C. Became, has being made a state, right? No, but it wants to be. I'm sure it would love to be, especially when Trump was president. It probably wanted to be its own country for within the last four years. They, they wanted to just be their own country. Man, but now, yeah, still, still got 50 states. Still got 50 states. Alaska being one of them. Alaska's beautiful, though. You yeah. go to Alaska, the air is so clean. And you're like, oh, this is how... The world should is supposed to look.
0: It sounds cold. Is does, is
1: it cold? cold? Fuck yeah, it's super cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice in the I mean, in summertime. I mean, depending where you are, the further south you are, the nicer the summer is. Up north, it's fucking super cold. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, it gets into the fifties. I don't know what that is in kilometers to you guys, but <laughs>
2: fuck, uh, do, terrible, do, you mean, do you mean do you mean do you mean Celsius?
1: Temper- yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, joking yeah. about how. so I am high as fuck already. So, <laughs> wow, that was fast. That was fast. Yeah. I'm a lightweight dude. I don't and Just so often. people know Dan, Dan cuts his weed up on his uh, family's Bible Because <laughs> this has been I in my love family you're gonna say something different This has been in our family This Bible has <laughs> oh, been in our it. family This Bible has been in our family My Scottish English fucked up family For the last 300 years I don't read it all I do is roll joints on it What a... I love you Dan That's yeah. perfect
2: love You too kind <laughs> stranger so, anyway, Alaska, right? So
1: <laughs> now, back to the, now back to shitting in condoms. We'll be right back, right after this break. All right, speaking
2: because... of... <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Alaska, right, I watched a really shitty film that, that's, that takes place in Alaska called The Fourth Kind with Mila Djokovic. It's a fourth kind? But, uh, uh, it's familiar. that what alien
0: it? paranormal film where she's trying to contact... All right,
2: this film's a con, right? So I watched this a long, long time ago when I was like 17. I watched it in the cinema. And the whole premise of the movie is that there was actual real found footage that's filmed alongside the real scenes being reenacted by Mila Djokovic or whoever. Okay. And, and it's quite frightening. Like this real footage really adds the tension and all that. And then by the end of the film, you're like walking away from it. I can't remember how it ended was that fucking long ago. And uh, I didn't watch it all the way through the other day. So, cause it's a shit film, but um you find out when you're on Wikipedia that none of the actual so-called real shit actually happened. That was also part of the fucking Ruse, you know.
1: Oh, it's kind of like how the
2: Blair Witch was. Remember the yeah, Blair Witch but project? But "Yeah, said, oh, fuck it." I so—that's what made me so angry.
0: I like Blair Witch Project. So no, I look, w- like the guy who likes Blair Witch Project.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, it's all right. Film, I didn't mind but- it when it first came out. It was everyone's like because, was so, especially in Hollywood, it was so brilliant. And everybody loved it because they made that movie for like forty thousand dollars, and it made, and it made like three hundred million dollars.
2: That started the found... Well, people claim that that started the found footage genre, but actually, there was a film before that in the 80s called Cannibal Holocaust. It was an Italian film, and it was so oh. fucking realistic that the actors in the film had to disappear for a year just to keep up this marketing sort of uh, thing. I like that. No, each
0: project did the same, didn't
2: they? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Fucking, you, this is, you're going to love this, right? So right, Cannibal, right. Hol- Cannibal Holocaust, right? It has... The, the premise is that this uh, Italian journalist group went to... I haven't even watched the film, but... Um, they go to this uh, like centennial kind of tribe. You know what I mean, like people that have never ever been a part of yeah, yeah, yeah. modern day. Anyway, so one of those, and they're killing animals. They're fucking. There's some graphic shit in there. Just look it up. Right, it's graphic as fuck. It was so convincing that people thought it was real, and the director got arrested for murder. Um, but that, so the act- the actors had to come out of hiding just to prove that they were still alive. Whoa, that's oh, insane. And that's all done. Wait, by and why
1: you? What year was that? 1984, maybe. around that. But They should it, do a movie about that movie. Yeah, man. Well, it got banned. It got banned well, in the UK. Well, I did UK. this bit
0: out because that's our idea. And we'll copyright that right now.
1: Boom. It, did, it didn't come out in the UK
2: <laughs> because we had really stringent censorship laws up until about 99. So films like The Exorcist, films like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they were all banned in the UK until like 99 because they were under that pornography video nasty banner that came about in the 80s because people started getting video cassettes. So they could just fucking yeah. make their own movies and shit,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and some of it was just.
1: crazy. I anyway. never heard of that Italian. So, and he was just like, so he admitted, "Hey, this was just all part of the movie. I didn't fucking murder anybody. Yeah, you got done arrested, for like, and they, and they all had to come out and probably like give blood and fingerprints to prove that they're the real actual person that wasn't dead. One hundred percent." For sure, for sure. But this Fuck film it. is something else,
2: man. I can't bring myself to watch it because I'm thought it's not really my kind of thing—the shock thing, the right. shock factor. But uh, I've seen the scenes that are very convincing. I'm like, wow, wow, that was well done. That looks so fucking. There's a scene where a woman, a native woman, is impaled by a fucking spike and it's coming out of her mouth and she's
1: just hanging from it. That's that happened st- to my buddy the other day. That's a stunt.
0: Fire, fire! <laughs> Alaskan pipeline.
1: <laughs> right after the Alaskan pipeline. <laughs> but
2: yeah. So, anyway, that that was sort of the founder of. Um, Have to found a footage genre, but then Blair Witch comes along and steals all its funding because it's more acceptable than the shit that was in Cannibal Holocaust.
1: Yeah, and it was also about 20 years later, too. Yeah, it would have been about Blair Witch was about 2000 or some shit. 99, I think. Uh, think 25 years later.
0: It was like a bit of folded up pizza and a bit of cloth in it. It's Mm -hmm. a bit of gore.
1: One time I was with my buddy Brian Jarvis, a wonderful, just brilliant comic, but he's a wonderful, wonderful comedy writer. And me and him used to always go to the cinema, as you could say. We used to go during the day because there'd be nobody around. It wasn't crowded. We, you know, neither one of us had, you know, we're both doing comedy at night, so our days were free. So we go to see, remember the movie The Ring? Yeah. Scared the shit uh, out of me. I,
2: mean, I was ten yeah. at the time.
1: <clears throat> Another fucking, you know, scary movie. So that shit just came out. Everybody was talking about it. And we're like, oh, let's just go see the ring like Tuesday at like eleven AM. So you go to this big theater, and it's completely empty. It's only me and my buddy Jarvis. And we're sitting right in the middle of the theater. Nobody around us. A thousand empty seats. Right before the movie starts, this like about six foot five, African American, a handicap, mentally, not physically handicapped. You know, all of his faculties weren't there. He's probably Mm -hmm. 35. He comes in the theater. There's 998 empty seats in this thousand seat theater. Two guys are sitting next to each other and this fuck face comes over and sits right next to my buddy Jarvis in the entire theater. So now it's just like this handicapped guy, my buddy Jarvis in the middle and me. And right before the thing starts, he goes, turns to me, he goes, fucking, you gotta be shitting me. I gotta sit in there. I don't even know this guy and this guy's sitting right all on my shit. He's so pissed. And then there's still an inside joke to us to this day. The movie starts and I lean into my buddy Jarvis. I go, yeah, this, the movie just started. It'll probably be, it's probably no big deal. It's just pretend he's not even there. We won't even notice the guy. And, you know, right in the mo- beginning of the movie, then there's like uh, a real climactic, scary scene and the music gets really loud. And they open this closet and there's like dead bitch just sitting like this in the closet. She's all dead and shit. And the music jumps. And it's the first time you kind of jump in the movie. Right when that happens, the retarded guy next to him goes like this. Oh, damn! <laughs> For fucking the last 18 years. he's He lives in San Francisco. I'm in L.A., but well, now I'm in Chicago, but I'm usually in L.A. About every, maybe once or twice a year, one of us will get the other guy's voicemail, and we'll just go, oh, damn! <laughs> we got the same thing. Every time
2: we pick up the phone to each other, We you ever seen the film Grandma's Boy? Grandma's boy, who's in
1: that? Sounds very familiar. Alan Alan Cova and uh Nick Swanson. Oh uh, Nick swartzen Swartzon. Yeah, one. I love Nick swartzen I've done a lot of drinking with that. That guy can <laughs> speaking of people that can drink. Yeah. That dude can drink just about anybody on the table. Oh, he's funny but, dude, man. There's swartzen a scene is hilarious. hilarious.
2: There's a scene in this film where he has to pick up the phone, he pretends to be his mate for some reason. And he goes, Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Alex, a, your grandma's down here. She, she got, brought you lunch. She goes, goes, brought you a package. And he's like, oh, I hope it's a naked dude with a boner, right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. So every time me and him pick, bring each other, we always answer with,
1: "yow." <laughs> That's great. I love that shit. Now, how long have you guys known each other? How, oh, you guys yeah, been friends for what? Over 15 years. How did you guys meet? in school? Yeah, it was school. Yeah, we were 12 yeah.
2: when we met. We're 29 now. Uh,
0: yeah, he, he, was, he, it, it, he was in the library. And I was sitting there being a nerd, eating my lunch. And he's he, <laughs> he's uh putting um gaming pictures of Halo Three together on on like uh-huh. Microsoft Paint, whatever the fuck it was, uh-huh. and he was putting them together. I just sat over like I play this game. <laughs> that's, that's how we become friends.
2: Halo Two, no, Halo, was Halo Two. But
1: yeah, I, I, can... I thought you were gonna say he was in a. You met in a library and you looked over at him, and Dan was rolling a joint on a Bible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, tell you, man, I didn't start smoking weed until I was 21 years old. I was a late bloomer. It was him. It Same was here. Sean, Sean that got me stoned.
1: I started head. smoking when I was about 20, 21 myself. Yeah, nice. You know, I think
2: that's the right age as well because like if you start smoking, I've seen people that start smoking at, like 14, 15 and their, their brains just mush by the time they're in their 20s.
1: Well, and then they just, that becomes their identity. Mm. Mm-hmm. They just, when you're 14 and you become a stoner, you're so fucking young and impressionable. Young, dumb and full and calm is how, you know, my yep. grandmother used to say it, but that's, that becomes their whole life and their whole identity. They don't ever try to find anything else other than pot. When you start smoking that early,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, they, uh-huh. they sort of lose their direction, not because of laziness, but pot will make you lazy. But just because they think, Oh, I know everything. Cause I'm 14. Cause every 14 year old thinks they fucking know everything. And they go, Oh, I found, I found my thing. I like smoking pot. Yeah, but, you you know, <laughs> that's not a thing to... That's not an identity. You mm. know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or a hobby. It's, it's not a hobby. It's something you can do to relax. It's like people yeah. are like, I drink tea all the time, man. I'm a fucking tea guy. If you don't drink <laughs> tea, you're a fucking... It's like, dude, I don't care if you drink tea or not. Why Why do you got to always be talking about tea? Just drink tea and shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, mate. Yeah, exactly. I hate those sort of people.
1: Posers. yeah dead into posers, they, posers yeah they, they
0: then preach it on you all the fucking time you're not interested it's like get the fuck
1: we don't really get
2: that down here in the uk do we too much like if we went to the cities we'd probably see it like london and that. no but
0: it's starting to bubble it's like uh it's like a i wouldn't say hipster but it's like you, you the see under- the study you, of a hipster
1: you see it on so purposely soap not comedians.
0: like things on purpose because oh cool, yeah we know a few of those you know, know.
1: for sure yeah everybody knows that guy but,
0: but they, they hate
1: everything like it. that they did in- yeah, they act like they invented everything that's cool. It's like, you you know, it's one thing if you invented shit, If you invented the bicycle. But well, quit telling me that you ride. I've been riding bikes forever. Shut the fuck up. You didn't. If you invented the bike. Cool. But don't be like some bicycle hipster and try to tell me that you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's it makes me wonder like, why,
2: why do we still have entrepreneurs in 2021? Everything's fucking
1: built isn't it. Pretty much. Except for Elon Musk. If you ain't launching shit in outer space, it's already been invented. Mm. yeah you know, I'm, pretty much.
2: You know I'm, there's a term out there called ludite a ludite is someone who's kind of resistant towards change and advancement and i'm a bit quasi like that for my for my generation. i'm 29 and i'm not a big technophile you know i mean I, you, you, I don't get the newest iphone i don't get the newest fucking xbox you know i'm like two years
1: behind always i always am too you know uh brian redband mm-hmm. he's my kind of like uh you're familiar with the term a canary in a coal mine You know, all all these coal okay coal mines, they had all these coal mines. Well, they would go so deep and the oxygen was so bad that they didn't even know if they could send humans down in there to keep mining coal. So they would put a canary in a cage and they would just lower the canary all the way in the coal mine. And when they pulled it out, if it was dead, they knew there wasn't enough oxygen down there. And if they pulled it out, it was alive. They would send people back down in there to mine more coal. Yeah, I get you. Red band is my canary in a coal mine with technology. The iPhone 50 will come out and he'll have it for a year. And then I'll call him and be like, should I buy that or should I not buy that? You know, Oh, you should wait eight more months. Cause the new ones come out. I go, okay, thanks. Cause that dude always has all the new shit. And I'm the same way. I'm not, if, if, I probably have an iPhone seven, maybe I, until it breaks or starts slowing down or really pissing me off. I'm not getting the new shit just cause it's the new shit.
0: Yeah.
2: There's a guy that exactly. works. There's a guy that work uh, that comes to my gym. He's in this like fair play to this guy. He's in his early 70s, man. And he can, like, Ooh. I work at a gym, right? So he, he can just like do incredible shit. He can jump up and down. He can do burpees, push ups, you name it, man. This guy's fit. How old is he? 72, I think.
0: 72, yeah. But
2: he's always got the newest fucking Apple Watch or the newest thing. And he's always bragging about it because, you know, I think people do that as a way to make themselves seem more valuable than they are, even though it's a false yeah. sense of value. And, the other day, I just broke. We we just went back to work like a month ago, and I couldn't be asked with him. And he's like, oh, I've got this new iWatch like a, three weeks before it's released. And I said, Mark, mate, oh, I've said his name. I'll bleep
1: out, out. Like, hey, Mark, happened? look at me, buddy. We're sick of hearing you at the gym that Dan Pike works at, talking about your new phone, talking about your new watch, talking about your new car. Hey, buddy, you've been around long enough, 70 plus years. How about having a real human connection? mark okay i got you sorry about that I, sometimes sometimes i get so worked up about this guy at the gym i don't know fuck mark
2: well this guy um i said to him i was like mark mate, what happens when the fucking solar flare comes and you know, everything our whole digital infrastructure is wiped out then what what are you going to use you know I mean, you've got to be in touch with the uh, the analog way and the digital you've got to be both digital and analog you know yeah that's, probably, that's
0: proper negative thinking mate, that's we, the doom and gloom
2: we had a power cut Uh, about a month ago and it happened for about three hours nothing worked not even even phones didn't work the whole cellular tower within that region was gone right it was like an eight mile radius people were freaking out it was like Sean of the dead walking out the door and everyone's on the phone say it's like a zombie apocalypse so it made me realize actually i need to learn some bare grill shit you know
0: (laughs) yeah true uh, yeah. get home a I, was,
2: I went through like five different scenarios in that two hour space. I started thinking about, fuck, man, I should have got fucking cans. I should have got aluminum, as you guys call it. should have got some fucking cans, some food, canned food. All Aluminium. that
1: water, bottled water. Yeah. But then it's, the power came when back it goes on. down, it goes yeah. down. And, and it then everyone's like, oh, that's fine. Okay, thank God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it was like eating. A, some guy's eating his wife's leg and only been out of power for two <laughs> hours. You're like, two hours, bro. You killed your wife. Do you hear us, Mark? Are you listening <laughs> to us, Mark? You son of a bitch. Guess what happens to me, Mark, when my <laughs> phone goes dead and the world starts coming to an end? I can tell what time it is by the sun, the star that the planet revolves around, Mark. I can tell roughly within eight to 12 hours what time of day it is. What about you, Mark? What are you going to do? Look at your fucking billion dollar watch with your body of a 30 year old and the brain of a 90 year old? I'm sick of it, Mark. All right. I, I'm sorry, guys. This is Mark. Guys it really set me off. <laughs> within 12 hours. It's either daylight or it's nighttime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> fucking, hell, Mark. You fucking kill me.
1: Oh, yeah. Shit. Mark will probably beat your ass. You know, I golf. I've been golfing a lot during the whole pandemic because it's really the only thing you can do. And on Tuesdays, I've been playing with all these guys that are all in their 70s. And I'm telling you, man, one is very inspiring to me because I'm in my 40s, but it's inspiring going like, man, these guys are in their 70s. They're still getting around. They they seem just young spirited. It's just their spacesuit that they get to rent for 90 laps around the star is just outdated. It's breaking down. But inside of it, what's inside of it, that part of us, that's eternal on our insides. Dude, these guys, it's like talking to a 30 year old dude. It's like talking to you guys. You know, it's just you guys got younger versions of spacesuits. You know, you guys got iPhone Seven bodies, and they got fucking Motorola Razor bodies. Yeah. <laughs> but the so- but the hardware's getting antiquated, but the software still works just as like you know, any shit. It's so inspir- and The you know they yeah. they were telling me that fucking well, these guys you know these guys were in World War Two. These guys did all this, shit. and they're telling me, oh yeah, because I was smoking. soup. we had lunch afterwards. Seven dudes, they're all over the age of 60, between 68 and 80. And I was smoking a cigarette after we were golfing. So they go, how much are cigarettes? You know, none of these guys smoking. I got about $7 a pack, you know, depending where you are and shit. Because, man, I remember when I was in the army during the war, cigarettes were 65 cents a pack. No wonder everybody smoked in the 50s and 60s. It was basically free. You know?
0: That was rampant back then, right? Smoking was just like normal.
1: Everybody, You would see TV shows. Everyone's smoking on TV shows, yeah, all the yeah. commercials. It was all the yeah. talk shows. People would be smoking while they're interviewing each other. It was just people just smoked back then. They didn't when did that shit. stop for you?
0: Like in your in America? Like when was that phased out smoking in
1: bars and shit? probably in the 80s? Wow. We were 2007. Oh,
0: yeah, ours was recent. 2007.
1: We yeah, just in the missed 80s, it.
2: we were like 16
0: when maybe like yeah we were in spooks.
2: we didn't start smoking i didn't start smoking close 21 so i missed out on that phase i missed out on that phase that's crazy but you know what as a smoker i'm glad we don't smoke indoors man you know me too and i'm a smoker i mean we should i am glad we don't we should do what the french do the french have got and the spanish have got quite a good handle on it you know i mean they have really good designated areas to smoke where it's almost like part of the building you know i went on the inside or outside Kind of both. It's weird. It's like a shed, but like a heated shed. You know what I mean? Like, or in
1: some nightclubs, don't give a fuck and you can just smoke. Yeah, there are bars. I was just in a bar the other day where you could just walk in and smoke. But you notice it. I walk in and I was in there and I was going to, I'm like, I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Hey man, you could smoke right here at the table. I go, yeah, but everyone's going to be eating. I don't want to be smoking around people eating. Like I can go outside, smoke one cigarette, come back inside, sit down and eat versus I'm fucking blowing smoke on everybody and like
2: yeah i think smoking indoors like when you do get get the opportunity to do it it's more of a novelty than anything isn't it it's like a little time capsule it's like when uh in you know you get it now in america like you can go to certain states and just go to a coffee shop and smoke some weed uh
1: oh yeah the closest we've all of los angeles is like that now they have it's almost like amsterdam i mean you can there's places they got yeah coffee shops or whatever they call it you can go in there and try you can buy like a sample platter for like $20 and they'll be like, here's a little bit of each different kind of weed. And you can sit there and try it and a bunch of different kinds of things and then see what you want to buy. I mean, it's, it's amazing in the United States that what weed has become in the last 15 years from yeah. people be going to jail for the 20, 30 years, you know how mad I would be if I got arrested in 1978 for having half a pound of weed. And I've been in jail this entire time. And now it's legal and celebrated. I'd be like, you took half my life. (laughs) Half my life is gone, and now it's cool to smoke pot. Are people getting exonerated? Are people getting
2: exonerated?
1: Yes, they they are uh, 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 at a very rapid pace. At a very rapid pace, but still, you're like 25 years of my life, and now it's cool because the government gets their cut. Now that the government got cut in on their cut, it's like, oh, sorry. I guess we were wrong about pot. No. We're wrong by fucking. Yeah.
0: yeah, we're run by fucking idiots, man. They just see it as like, oh, that's a geriatric. It's tr- illegal. Yeah, ger- geriatric, geriatric, fucks.
2: geriatric baby boomers running our country.
0: You smoke yeah. weed? Oh, Fuck yeah. me. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> those, sorts of, <laughs> those sorts of pricks, man. Up their own ass, wear ties all the time for no fucking reason. Yeah. Just because it makes them, it's like fucking pull bag, not mark, pull bag. Um, yeah, it's like Mark. Fuck it, Mark. It's like Mark. They're all run oh, by the man. country of fucking Marx.
1: Sorry. Right? Mark. The whole country run by Marks. This whole episode is just gonna be bleeps every time we say Mark's name, right, Mark? I will be honest, I'm yeah. keeping it in. You know what? He's not really my friend anyway. <laughs> <laughs> does he listen to your podcast? Do you ever is he ever working at the gym?
2: Does he
1: work there or he's just a member of your gym? Uh, he just comes in from time to time. But he know you have a you absolutely have to get Mark on this podcast. No, please don't do that to me. (laughs) Yeah, we got it, we gotta get a Mark episode. And he could just like it should be like a segment on your show that's called Tech Time with Mark. And he just (laughs) talks about whatever new devices he has. (laughs) I mean, Mark, you're running out of time. I hope you got the new I uh Apple coffin. (laughs) Because you're running out of time, Mark.
0: Apple coffee. It's going to be <laughs>
1: carrying that. It'll be floating. So anyway, yeah, weed yeah, yeah. in the UK. So anyway, <laughs> we'll be right back right after this break.
2: <laughs> the closest we can go to get legal weed is like, is Amsterdam. It's like 300 miles away.
1: It's like a 30 minute flight. Yeah. That's well, really, that's the closest. And you can't, I mean, you couldn't leave there with any, any... Nah, there's nah. no way, not even in London. They don't have, it's not legal or anything yet. I think it's getting de- decriminalized. Go, that's always the first step first is decriminalized then they fucking figure out how they can make their cut yeah if you,
2: like if, if we're carrying two grams on us we ain't get arrested might get fined maybe
0: yeah and we have to do a little fill out um a form questionnaire some shit it's it's ridiculous if
1: it's you actual- have two two grams or less it's, you're fine
2: well i'm just it's, i'm yeah. just i'm just saying a small amount is what
1: i'm saying like if you've got like a, yeah. an ounce on you you're getting
2: you're getting arrested.
1: Oh yeah, that, I mean, there's, there's, just, uh, believe me, we're not talking about all of America's like, like, uh, Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. I mean, there's a lot of states where you got two joints, you can go to jail for four or five days for a fucking joint. They pull you over for my buddy got pulled over in I can't remember what state it wasn't Texas, somewhere, some southern state. He was driving across the country, gets pulled over. He had half a joint in his uh, uh ashtray in his car. Went to jail for, like, six days. Fuck half sake. a joint. It's you know. not like he had a trunk full of fucking crystal meth. He had a half a joint. He, he didn't even know crazy. it was in there. It was, like, so long ago. It wasn't like he was high and driving. He didn't even know he oh, had that joint. It was just a like From, like, <laughs> a concert from three weeks ago. He didn't even know he had that in there. I huh? think, I think one, of the,
2: like, one of the pros of, like, the way the U.S. is set up is, like, you have different states. You know, you're a republic, aren't you? So different states can be their own countries, can't they? It's like, there's so many different cultures in the United States. It's unbelievable. Like, we're not even living there, but we can see for ourselves, like people in Texas are not the same people as in New York or the same people as in LA. California, oh, no, or not at
1: all. No, it's you just, were right about that. You yeah. were right about that. And, and you know, there's, and depending on the kind of lifestyle you want to have, you know, there's, you know, there's, I'm not going to make a blanket generalization, but, you know, if you're growing up in, alabama and you're a african-american that's homosexual and you know that early in your life well you probably know really early in your life if you're african-american but you know you're at a very young age you identify as being gay you're automatically going where the fuck am i gonna move to so i can be myself because it's not safe for me to be that in you know wherever mm. part of the, you know
2: but it's it's like i think america's land
1: of the extremes you know <laughs>
2: Absolutely. And excessive,
1: we're excessive. Arrogant. Americans are so arrogant. Hey, what did you guys think about? It? You guys hate it. Did you guys you thought Donald Trump was a real joke, didn't you? Yeah, you know what? what? I was Whenever I talk to people abroad or in, in other countries or whatever, or if I meet them here, I go, give me the real truth. What, what do you guys really say about Americans? All right. Go he, oh, you go first, then. All right. I'll
0: go first. You go first. You go first. Go. All
2: right. Well, well i'll answer the trump question for you first so like like most people we're just kind of like what the fuck is going on here and then only in america sort of like we in in the uk we just sort of roll our eyes you know that's, that's what we just think yeah what fuck, that's what they're doing and um it wasn't until about two years that i started to cotton on that actually this guy had fans so like one night i'm bored just going through trump stuff This was like 2018 yeah. and i read the comments and it's all like msbcn or whatever it's called nbc all them sort of democrat predominantly democrat kind of sure yeah and all the comments section are saying the same thing about trump how much they fucking hate the guy and i'm like ah so i just started typing in some trump stuff like looking for facts about his wall next thing you know i'm looking at like is he actually a good president and i found reddit i'd never been on reddit before i knew what it was but i never really checked out and reddit were just saying the opposite things of what the youtube comments on youtube uh, on the uh, uh, msn msbcn sorry hi. yeah msnbc i believe yeah whatever those sort of morning shows and uh it was a polar opposite on reddit like trump's done this trump's done that trump's done this and the next thing i know my uncle my mum's brother he tells me he loves trump like this guy lives like in the same town as me he's, he's from the uk and he's like yeah. i fucking love this guy and he starts going on about q anon in this shit right so he starts telling me about q like what the is this I hope the youtube video does not get deleted just me by me saying this right <laughs> And he just stopped There's like a
1: knock that. at your door right now. Yeah. You hear a knock <laughs> at your front door and you go, like, oh shit, I think it's the government. You open up the door and it's Mark with a yeah. brand new fucking iPhone. <laughs> hey, mate, look what I got. The iPhone 50. It doesn't come out for eight years. This comes out four years after Mark's dead. <laughs> well, that's the thing that Trump did, though. <clears throat> Trump made it so divisive where in a weird way, it was kind of good what he did because He kind of exposed a lot of bigotry, in my opinion, because a lot of people felt empowered by him to speak their mind. People that might not say some shit that they normally would say started saying some crazy shit. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, now that I know you're just one of these Mark characters, I'm going to cut you out of my life. You know, he made it very divisive in the United States for the last four years. He probably even still to this day. But just with that QAnon, like you said, and all of those people, it really kind of, you know what they say is like, if you have like a, a if you, ter- if you turn your lights off in your kitchen, let's say or something, you turn your lights on in the middle of the night and you see one cockroach, mm. you don't have one cockroach. There's never just one cockroach. You got some cockroaches that you just don't see. So he kind of turned the kitchen light on in the middle of the night and you got to see a lot of cockroaches rolling around that normally would have been hiding in the dark. In that sense, I think it it was kind of good what he did. But I think he really did a number on us over here. And it's always so interesting to me to talk to people that aren't kind of in America and especially in the last four years and being kind of influenced by that sort of confusion where one people are saying one thing. And another other people are saying another thing. And you go, I, I mean, they both clearly think that they're right and are willing to kill over mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, you know, my uncle kept banging on about like, oh,
2: you know, Obama's are going to jail. Oprah Winfrey's going to jail and all that. And it said it's happening on the such and such a date, like two weeks from now, whatever it was like. And then that date would come and nothing would happen. And then it came to the point where I thought even he, he started to give up. But then the other day, he's like, oh, no, something's coming. Something's coming. I'm like, you said he's going to win the election. He didn't. He said the Obamas are going to prison. They didn't. You know what I mean? It's like, but I never bought, I never uh, was into it. I just liked hearing,
1: I just like those conversations.
0: Yeah.
1: Me and- too. I'm the same way. I'm very interested in, well, people in general, but I'm very interested in people that have other opinions of mine. How boring is it to just talk with people that have, that agree with you on everything? Mm. You know, Joe Rogan, I always say is a wonderful contrarian. Because I've had conversations with Joe Rogan about, I can't, I can't think of an example, but let's say, you know, uh, about one thing we'll talk about. And I'll skate a case or an argument, and he'll argue with me to the point where almost to the point of surrender. Mm-hmm. And two, three months will go by, and I'll be on a podcast with him or doing a show with him or something. And that t- subject will come up and he'll start arguing what I was arguing three months ago. And I go, you're taking the whole opposite. And he goes, I just like getting people's opinion. And if you rile rile people up to an extent, you can really kind of get, it's almost like deconstructing the ingredients of a cake. You don't know what's in the cake, but if you start taking out all the ingredients, you go, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And what makes people up, but what makes people's belief systems up Hmm. is always fascinating. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. The whole deconstruction thing. That's what I do. That's why I like going to the gym because you're doing a deconstruction of yourself. You leave that gym exhausted, completely worn out. Yeah. Your ego is taking the back seat for once and you just see clarity. You're in them now you're in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's what I love. That's what I love about comedy. Um, that's what I was always my attraction to drugs and drinking and everything because it forces me to be present. If I'm drunk, I can only be drunk. If I'm high, I am high. If I'm, you know, if I'm in the middle of doing stand-up, I'm completely in that moment. Same thing with golf, and and like you say, working out a lot of things, even listening to podcasts, I'm in the moment and I'm present and I'm not. Otherwise, I think otherwise. And I think that's why meditation. So many people love meditating so much is because it forces you to be present. It forces you to be in the moment. Because uh, otherwise, I'm just losing the war in between my ears yeah nobody's why, nobody, yeah, is meaner, right nobody is meaning nobody is meaner to themselves than themselves the biggest bully all of us know is ourself. Yeah. 100%. the first person to tell me i can't i'm not good enough i don't deserve it i don't i'm unlovable nobody likes me I, i'm not respected uh, nobody ever says those words to me but my head does my head will tell me that so i always got to constantly remind myself to be kind to myself if 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 a friend of mine or one of you guys, anybody that, you know, know or care about were to call me and say, hey, I fucking I feel like a piece of shit. This is going to fuck up. I'm you know, what would I say to them? I wouldn't go. You're goddamn right. You fucking suck, idiot. Exactly. It, it, unless unless it's Mark calling me. <laughs> you know, it's going to you know, I'm going to say nice things to that person and kind of talk them out of a tree. So it is a practice kind of like what you were saying, Dan, It is a practice to do that to yourself. When my head goes, I'm going to fuck this show up tonight. I go, hang on. No, I'm not. I'm not. I've been doing this for a fucking long time. And I wouldn't be in this moment if I wasn't deserving of it. But I have to actually say that to myself because otherwise the echo is just fear. It's just the fear, which is just a natural human instinct. Yeah. But walking through fear takes one practice, but two, it takes you to be your motivator it takes you to remind yourself one that you deserve good things and you deserve to be in the moment that you're in but two nothing nothing matters nothing matters at all we're all just trying to distract ourselves from the fact that one day we're going to be in a fucking eye casket with mark no
0: it's that in the voice
1: all humans are scared all humans you know want to experience love all humans want to experience success all humans want to experience fairness mm-hmm. and those are the fun those are the the the, the front runners of the things that we're, we that we fear the most is to ask for love or to ask for fairness or to ask for kindness and to give you know, it and to give it because you know if you don't th- those are always the selfish pricks that are, are the ones that demand it are the ones that never give it
0: do mm. you know what spot on, man.
1: you know one of one of my favorite things to do in this life um, let me guess jerk off to cartoons while you got a condom full of shit in your ass
2: that's my second favorite thing
1: <laughs> ah, close. I'm, I'm getting good at guessing on this show
2: <laughs> one of my favorite things what, what, in this life is to what were you
1: uh-huh.
2: is to you know when you f- fucking fail at something or at least feel like a failure in something that low point when you're at your weakest and you think i can't do this you feel overwhelmed by whatever creative endeavor you're taking on board or whether it's just life itself and then you find your way you find something to follow knowing what you don't know being half the battle and then you succeed you triumph the feeling of succeeding after failing so badly is one of the highlights of this existence
1: It'll make you cry. It'll make you cry in a way that feels e- that even feels cleansing. Mm. That oh. even, you know what I mean? Where you go, God, man, not only did I need that, uh, I deserved that, but the universe wanted me to experience this because I can't teach success without knowing failure. I can't experience success. How do I know what success is? If I don't know what failure is, if I've never experienced failure, success is just every day. What do you mean? You know what I mean? It's the yin and yang of I, life. Yeah. It I really remember, is,
0: brother. I remember being homeless, addicted to fucking painkillers, li- living on a fucking lesbian's couch, right? For, for months. And then this one day, I, it was just like fucking raining miracles on me this day. I got my job back. I got a house, all this shit. But I went through that and then my brother kind of went for a similar fucking path a couple months later. And I, I, I kind of-
1: younger, younger brother or older brother?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah younger um uh-huh. and i i had just gone through all that shit so he was now going for i could kind of guide him you know because i had just gone through all that shit i'd let him stay in my room when i went to work shit like that, you know what i mean just getting through it and so i get what you mean it's like fucking you definitely have to go through failure to fucking
1: yeah because you yeah and and that that's when it gets fucking crazy where it starts to be like a crazy fucking chris nolan movie or something where you go Oh man, this is why I went through all that shit. Mm-hmm. So I could be there for my brother, who might not even make it if he went through this. And if I didn't go through this, who would he have to turn to? Mm-hmm. Without me being yeah. a success story through that? How's your brother doing now?
0: Oh, he's fucking rock and roll, man.
1: He That's good. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, he overdosed and died four <laughs> days ago. I'm like, oh my god, no, <laughs> no, oh, no god, man. damn it, <laughs> no, nah, man, we're good. That's great, bro. That's great. That's you, awesome. I love to hear shit like that. Do you find that us being
2: the creative mindset, like you said, we are our own worst critics? Do you find that, like, no matter how many triumphs you have, you're always going to have a moment of crisis and confidence, like everything else was a fluke in life that you'd pulled off. Uh, uh, that I I, was,
1: I would, oh, I would almost say every day, but absolutely weekly, if not every day. Imposter syndrome, I think they call it, don't we? Like, we don't really truly believe absolutely. our own success. For sure, you, you, yeah, imposter syndrome, exactly. Or you feel like, oh, man, you know, the minute I get good news of something, let's say, oh, this certain director wants you to come audition for something. I go, oh, thank God. That's my first thought is, thank God I could really use this or thank God that's something I've always dreamed about doing. That's my first thought. Instantaneously, my second thought is I'm going to fuck this up. I'm not good enough or probably more in line with the truth. This is going to expose me. And everyone's going to realize I'm a fraud. Right? I think that's what drives us, isn't it?
2: Because we're never never fully content, but then never rest on your laurels, right? I mean, it's all about finding balance. Contentment in oneself, but at the same time, never settling for less. Always thinking, no, 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 let's keep going.
1: Be better. Again, to what we were uh, talking about earlier, uh, Dan and Sean, was that, you know, with that or within that, is sort of that triumph story, is sort of like where you go, oh no, hang on. It forces you to be present because if I'm in fear, I'm living in the future. I'm not not afraid of right now, because if I'm in a situation right now where I am scared, that's a fight or flight thing. Someone's got a gun in my face or something like that. If I'm afraid of something I gotta do next week, and then I'm afraid that people are gonna realize that I'm a fraud, and then I'm afraid I'm gonna lose everything. Now I'm fucking two and a half years into the future, 30 seconds after I got a good news phone call. In 30 seconds, I'm two and a half, my wife is divorcing me and I don't have a wife. In two and a half, you know what I mean? In two and a half years, oh my kids are gonna hit me. I don't even have kids. (laughs) And, And I'm that far in the future in 30 seconds. Now if I'm, so that's living in the future. Fear is living in the future. And anytime you have regret, that's living in the past. Oh, man, I wish I didn't fucking fuck that up. Yeah, and then it yeah. caused my butt, you know, who then you're the- then you're not you're living in the past. or you're li- But so you got to be like, hang yeah, on. Yeah. And that's why I got to talk to myself. Hang on. <laughs> none of that shit's happened. This could totally go good. And all it is is an opportunity in a week that has mm-hmm. none to do with today. I still got to eat today. I still got to feed my dogs today. You know what I mean? I'm going golfing tomorrow. I got a podcast tomorrow. I'll worry about, I'll just make sure I do all the footwork to be prepared in a week. I can't worry about what's going to happen in two and a half years. I might, I might get hit by a car uh, two days on my way to that audition. Yeah. And I spent the entire week worrying about shit. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if I, if I know I do something shitty uh, in the back of my brain, I know something shitty is going to happen in response to that. Whatever. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? It might
1: take, it might take forever, but it's going to get you.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: 100%. And-, and when it tells you, like, oh, I know why this is. Nah, fucking that, fucking that
0: Tebow podcast, fucking making fun of Mark. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If,
1: if making fun of people on a podcast is going to be bad karma, I am fucked. You do not want to be on an airplane with me. you know, you know what? It's not even in a Final Destination situation.
2: I believe in karma in a sort of cause and effect kind of manner. You know what I mean? It's not like something bad is going to happen to me. If- shit talking about mark it's just that he will if he ever did see I doubt he would but if he did he would just be like he just wouldn't talk to me anymore
1: which is kind of a fucking good thing so Uh, you know i I, you know he fucking watches this shit on whatever fucking apple watch he's got (laughs) we're live right now (laughs) yeah he's just doing burpees fucking cursing off the three of us
2: (laughs) this is going to be sound a bit fucking out there right but um we're talking about like being deconstructing oneself and be in, in those riding those highs and lows. Um, sure. You know, when I was 27, I was going through my last sort of low spell, you know, wasn't depressed or anything like that, but you just sort of in your head, you're functioning, you're a functioning crazy person. You know, I'm still yeah. going to work, still paying the bills Well, paying the rent. Um, And just, you know, I've, the, the wheels would fall off from under me. And I found that yeah. talk, talking to myself in the mirror always helped. Seeing myself talk made me realize, hey, yeah, I'm a cool, I'm I'm good, you know. I look good. I'm, I hold myself well, you know. Uh-huh. Have those confidence, you know.
1: And doing these podcasts has helped me massively with that, you know. So sort of. me too. Doing podcasts has been everyone's always like, oh, thank you for all the content and all this kind of stuff. I go, this has probably helped me more than it's helped anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, feel like I, I been being me- honest
0: all the time now, you know, like. Not just for content, just because it's a way of just fucking being honest and shit, you know.
1: And and it's like it kind of, it's almost kind of like a lie detector test being on these things because we put all this shit out there. Anybody can cross-reference anything we say. Yeah, exactly. We've seen podcasts blow up in everybody's face, right, Cristalia? We've seen that happen to a lot of people, you know. So yeah. you got. I, I guess I'm more. I'm I'm probably. More honest on podcasts than than in real life because I feel less guarded. Not that I'm like a pathological liar in real life, but I'm much more guarded in real life than I am speaking, you know, into a camera on in my room, you know, and having that go out to the world.
0: Yeah, hundred you know, percent. Because I kind of have nothing to off, hide. Yeah. When this camera goes off, I'll be back and sitting in my room smoking a joint, fucking being on my own. Do you know what I mean? Not, yeah. Because um, I'm a socially awkward motherfucker, but. I think when you get someone on a podcast like you, for example, I'm I'm drawn to the honesty, you know, you're a comedian. You like to make jokes, but you talk so much fucking good shit. Like, I'm drawn to that, you know?
1: Yeah. Thanks. And I feel the same way with uh, all the podcasts I listen to. It's like so many of my friends, I'm like, man, I didn't know this about your life. And you're like, yeah, I never really talk about that. And then, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, podcasting, I think has really changed just about everything. I mean, it. Pretty much killed regular radio. I mean, who wants to have to listen to the radio and have to hear fucking corporate commercials and not hear people talk how they really talk? Oh, I apologize that you guys just accidentally heard somebody say shit in the background. It's like I would never apologize if I was having if we were having fucking a couple pints right now somewhere in your area and, you know, somebody walks in and it's Ah, oh, fucking hell. I wouldn't be like, yeah. guys. I'm sorry. You just heard that guy over there say, "Fucking <laughs> hell." Hey, ah, t- uh, you know, <sound> this will make you laugh.
2: This will make you laugh. Right? So talk about yeah. censorship on the radio and on the TV. Right? I remember in 2017 when the Gre- we had an incident in London called the Grenfell fire. It was this high-rise building that went up on fire And because of the cladding. The whole thing just the fire just killed quite a lot of people. You know, was, was a- that
1: that was like a real low rent low rent people Like uh, we call them council estates.
2: We call them yeah, council. Okay.
1: Associates. I remember that fire. I remember that.
2: And um, I was watching it live uh, the next day, like BBC news. And like 10 in the morning and the journalist is going around interviewing people. And one of the guys who happened to live there, he was a, he was a black guy and he just sent to the microphone. he said, um, Oh, you know, it's a fucking disgrace or something along those lines saying that they're trying to wipe us out. And the woman's like, Oh, I, I'm so sorry that he swore there. And I'm thinking this house just fucking
1: burnt down. <laughs> that did, <laughs> yeah. that, that's your biggest concern. Yeah. That he that he let the F-word go. That <laughs> he said fuck. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm like how about a, what have my family's in there right now. I'm sorry. Look, I'm a little is, upset. This is the next morning, yeah, but yeah, it was fucking dreadful. It was awful. unbelievable.
0: PC yeah, a, way too far, man.
1: I just think the podcasting has kind of opened up that freedom and I think that's why you see so many people have them from super duper celebrities and, you know, ex-presidents and leaders of countries all the way down to, you know, people that are waitresses and bartenders and regular people that aren't celebrities that um, uh, uh, a buddy might give me the best advice ever. Uh, it's got Jimmy Schubert, was a great comic. And, you know, he's about, I don't know, 15, 20 years older than like my generation of comics are like Ari Shaffir, Tripoli, Duncan Truss, all those guys. You know, he was doing it before we, we were doing it. So we always kind of really look up to him. And I was interviewing him in a very early podcast. And this is even before Punch Drunk and all that, which is, we've almost been doing that almost 10 years. So it's probably like 15 years ago. I'm interviewing him. And I go, what's the best advice you could give anybody in Hollywood or that wants to work in the industry or anything like that? And he said the best shit. And I always stuck to this. He goes, treat every celebrity like they're regular people and treat everybody regular like they're a celebrity. And I'd be goddamn, that thing. if that doesn't work every time, you know, I'll see, I don't even, John Mayer or Chris Rock or Dave, Dave Chappelle or any people like that hanging around the comic store. Like, hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, team? And then we just fucking hit knuckles. And then somebody will come up and be like, you know, from Australia or something like that. Fuck, hey, fucking hell. You fucking <laughs> team. Oh, shit, I'm fucking big fan of yours. We came down here to fucking hang out the comic store. I'll talk to them for 30 minutes. Ask them all about themselves. I want to know about their life. Because I don't. I know every mm-hmm. fucking thing about Dave Chappelle. Every shit he takes is on the internet. I don't need to know anything more about Dave Chappelle. And I don't need to really be bothering him. But somebody I've never met before. That, those people are more important in a way. Now they probably can't do much for my career. Where Dave Chappelle could. But, and then, but Dave Chappelle appreciates. You just treating him like he's a regular guy. Not going up to him and fucking sucking his cock. And asking him if yeah. you can open for him. And all this sort of shit. Because he wants to be a regular guy. I remember one time. Remember when there was all that talk that Dave Chappelle went crazy? Yeah. And he oh, know, gave I up all that story. money. I know the he story. Went to Africa. The great story. Africa.
2: He oh, he man. covers this in one of his specials. Uh, Bird Equinox, I think it's called. Yeah. And he covers yeah. it in metaphor, and he tells a story by Iceberg Slim, and it's one of the most my, one of my favorite stand up
1: bits ever. It's not even necessarily oh. that
2: funny, but it's just. I couldn't even funny. go
1: into how many great things. Chappelle. To me, he's to me, he's like Michael Jordan. To me, he's probably the best Mm. that there is right now. Rogan's up there, but Chappelle's just Chappelle. Yeah. So he came back from Africa and he was just popping in at the comedy store and he would just hang out. And he would go on stage. It was was before even anybody you would even see on the news. Oh, Dave Chappelle's doing comedy again. He would just show up at the comedy store, hang out, have some drinks, smoke weed. You go up and do like 10-15 minutes. But then he would be hanging out like in the back, like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. He would still be there. And to me, he's like, almost like a God. I mean, he's like one of the best comics. He's a very nice guy. I couldn't tell you how nice Chappelle is. One of the nicest men in comedy that you will meet. And I was walking like, now it's late at night. He went on like, let's say 10 p.m. And it's about 1 a.m. And I went on like 12.30 So I'm still hanging out, drinking, smoking pot, trying to get laid, whatever I'm doing. And I'll go walking through the kitchen to go in the back behind the building in the comic stores where everybody, comics and employees can smoke pot and hang out back there and kind of be away from everybody. I was literally just going back there to see if anybody was smoking weed because I didn't have any weed at the time. So I'm like, ah, I bet there's somebody outside smoking a joint. I'll go see if there's anybody out there. I go walking by and Dave Chappelle just sitting in the kitchen bar talking to the bartender and he's got his little speakers, like probably some shit Mark would have, some real nice speakers that are Wi-Fi connected to his phone. He's listening to like <laughs> Lauren Hill. I think he's listening to Lauren Hill. Oh yeah. Smoke, smoking cigarette, and he's just sitting there talking to the bartender. And he went on like two and a half hours earlier. And I go walking by him. I go, hey, what's up, guys? To the bartender and to, to him. And, they, and I stop and I turn to Dave. And I go, if you don't mind my asking, why, why are you still here? I mean, you went on like two and a half hours ago, and you're just sitting in the kitchen talking to bartender. No offense, I love that you're here, but it's just to me, I think like Dave Chappelle would just like do comedy and then take an elevator to the mansion in the sky or something. Like I went, and Dave Chappelle's answer was this: "Man, sometimes just gets lonely, (laughs) and you don't think you don't you dehumanize." These celebrities, you don't think they get lonely. You don't think they just want to talk to other comics or talk to a bartender or get out of the fucking house or meet new people or just have real human experience. I go, that's the greatest answer I've ever heard, man. You, know, you don't think of Dave Chappelle being lonely. You know, because, because they're famous and because they're wealthy and successful, you go, oh, these guys could be doing anything they want. Why would they be here talking to us? Why would they be here talking to us, lowly people? And when he said that, it kind of shifted it to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're just as human as me. You can't fly. You can't shoot lasers out of your eyes. You're just a funny, talented guy that's been successful. My mom said something to me that
2: that really kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things. I was climbing that. I was part of the rat race in my early to mid-20s. I decided to go up that corporate ladder. I was working as an IT analyst, and uh, it was the most money I'd ever made at the time. It's not a lot of money, but at that time, it was the most I'd ever made. Uh, I was basically speaking French for the retail stores and helping them fix their tills, their clothes, whatever went wrong. I was the IT guy. Uh-huh. And um, the, the job was killing me. Like after like nine months, my mum and all that was so proud of me because I decided to learn French when I was 21 and they thought it was silly at first. But then as soon as I fucking started getting paid for it, that was it. They were praising me. and um, right. But the job was killing me after a while. It wasn't for me. I was a free bird. I can't be sat at that, that, that desk it was making you nuts. Yeah, I couldn't write anymore. I couldn't, I was just getting stoned every day. Just can't wait to go home and get stoned. You know, that went on for like nearly 10 months. And eventually I left the job and all that and everything got better. But my mom said to me, you know, about these, especially above me, those corporate wankers that make all the big bucks. My mum said, they're not even that rich. They're just broke at a higher level. And that changed everything for me.
1: Ah, I love that.
2: Because these so-called A-listers, say, for example, you know, they might make, 10 million dollars per movie or whatever but they got to pay pa they got to pay their security they've got to pay insurance for kidnapping you know what i mean they got to pay for that sure. big mansion and that mansion doesn't just you don't just buy that mansion and that's it you got to pay for the upkeep of that thing gardeners caterers
1: fucking maids you just broke it at a higher level man i remember one time uh when shaquille o'neal came to the los angeles lakers and he signed a contract for like 120 million dollars and that's all anybody could talk about and they go, somebody said to Shaq, who I think is hilarious and he's very smart. Somebody said, to Shaq, well, I, how do you feel about making $120 million and being that rich? And Shaq said, somebody signed my check. So somebody has enough money to hand him $120 million, no problem. He goes, You're not talking about that person. Why are you talking about me? I'm just an employee. Yeah. I didn't, this get money didn't come out of a money tree. Somebody wrote me a check for $120 million. Hmm. So there's somebody way richer than me out there. <laughs> yeah. So while you're talking about how much money I have, why don't you talk about yeah. who just wrote me a check for $120 million?
2: Yeah, that's a whole level of rich. Like, oh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know. Well, I can't even imagine. It's like trying to think of a color I've never seen before. Uh, yeah oh i know
1: <clears throat> uh, you, you can't i can't even even five million dollars i'm like you know you hear people go broke You hear people go through a hundred million dollars and then they're broke i go what the fuck did you what did you do mike tyson to lose 400 million dollars because I,
0: I, I don't because I've never had that much money, so we'll never understand until we do. But he never,
1: uh, that was never his
2: money, you know that belonged to the managers, the agents, the PRs, the you know the don kings.
1: You know they. Were, you he know. said in his special that in in his uh, he had a, a on HBO. There's a Mike Tyson one man show that he did on Broadway. Spike Lee produced it. It's really just him talking about his whole life. It's almost like a one person podcast for ninety minutes. And he said at one point in time, I think he said he was responsible for like 800 people's cell phones bills Mm. every month he had to pay 800 people's cell phone bill i can barely pay mine
2: (laughs) well here's an interesting story for you jason so in our hometown in 2012 we have what's called the euro millions it's the lottery but it's for all of europe and um these bus drivers that our parents went to school with they were like in their 40s or 50s at the time they there was 12 of them all part of a syndicate And they won Uh the Euro millions. They got 3 million pounds each, which is about $5 million, I think, maybe. Wow. And um, 12 people won that. And one guy got told while he was on driving the bus on a Saturday morning through the radio, says, we just won the lottery. He slams the brakes and tells everyone to get the fuck off the bus. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's somebody who hated his job.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing. It gets sad because there's that initial, you know, uh, elation, whatever you want to call it, that euphoria, but then, before you knew it, some of them had to leave town because people was hitting them up on the street for money. F- whole family mem- members tell. Oh, if them. I
1: won the lottery, I would never, ever, ever tell anybody. We want to get. I wouldn't. The- I wouldn't Sorry. tell anybody. I would just. I would because one, people are going to come out of the woodwork and want shit. Mm. Two, you're a target for crime. And three, I would just. I think it would just be so fun. If I won like fifty million bucks, I would take like five, ten million dollars. Keep that for myself for the rest of my life. Do you know how much fun it would be to have $30, $40 million that you could fuck all with and just donate it to change people's lives? Do you imagine yeah. what it would be like to give $500,000 to a homeless stranger? Yeah, man. I mean, that the m- amount of pleasure that that would bring you. But anonymously, don't do it for mm-hmm. credit. Don't do it on HBO. Don't do it on the news. Don't do it in front of a hot don't make check. a
0: YouTube video. You know what? It's not—
1: don't have yeah, your phone yeah. on. Just go. Hey, look, man, I, I've been walking by you every fucking day when I go to get my coffee mm-hmm. and you seem like a good guy and you don't seem like a crazy. You know what I mean? I know you are just bad on your luck. Don't tell anybody where this came from. Don't you know, just but just, you know, good on you. You know, God bless you. And just give them that and just walk and then just walk away. And don't ever tell anybody about it. But that's think, some bad. That would be some badass shit well, right there. That's yeah. a movie right there. Well, it is a movie. Have you ever seen uh,
2: In Time oh, for fuck's sake. with Justin Timberlake? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen what's it called? I love Timberlake. In Time.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that where they have the, th- the yeah. shit on the Time
2: wrist? Becomes the Currency?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that,
2: yeah, that's a great movie. That's by Andrew Nicoli, I think his name is. He did um, uh-huh. Lord of War. He did Simone. He did he wrote you know the your,
0: script.
1: You know your movies. I know everything. Oh, yeah. I'm aspiring, <laughs> <stuff, but laughs> ha- you- man. Is that right? Let, let, let me see. Let's see if you got an elephant's dick. Let, let me see it, bro. Let me see what you. <laughs> I am. hungry. Let, hung see that, let oh. me see that pike, Dan. I'm pretty hung. <laughs> I'm pretty hungry,
2: dude. Trust me.
1: Ah, well, and people, people say she, he said that like, 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 uh, like he was about to fight me.
2: I'm a grower. <laughs> not a I'm a grower.
1: Look, man, you don't, you don't want to fucking, you don't want you don't want me to take my coat off, bro. <laughs> you don't want me to take my coat off. Yeah, but let dude, me ask you it- if you saw this movie because I just watched this the other day. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. You see, uh, Tenant. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I hated it too. <laughs> Never seen it. Thank you. You're the first person to be like, "Oh yeah, well, you just got to watch it twice." Like I watched it twice. It was like it three twice. hours. I watched it twice. And it was, was so it. confusing. I get the plot. <laughs> Did you? It doesn't make it a good film because it's. Loud I mean, as that fuck. could have been a one-hour show. That could have been a one-hour thing. It could have been louder, like dialogue-wise. That's what it could have been. I had that same problem too. I had my TV turned on to like 50. Mm. And then when the movie was over, my regular TV came on because I was watching on like streaming. Boy, and then my boy. regular TV came off. And my ears started bleeding. Mm.
2: I think it's very pretentious. Like Chris Fanola expects people to, he, his, his argument. It's always pretentious. He, he argues that, oh, you, you, the dialogue's not important. It's about the experience. I'm thinking, yeah, but this is a very complex plot device. You need to, you know, Inception was easy to understand because the exposition was on point.
0: That's a Stephen Bade fucking type of thinking. What's that's not Christopher Nolan.
1: That's a weird
2: thing
0: for him to say, isn't it?
2: He said it.
1: Well, yeah, but I—that's um, funny. You said it because I yesterday when I was fucking uh, golfing with all those guys where I was talking about that movie, and some of them seen it, some of them had and I go, it's kind of like if Inception sucked. Yeah, I mean
2: don't get me wrong. I like I do like the stunts in it. I'm not going to spoil it for Sean, but the, you know it was the,
1: absolutely. I'm not
0: if I you've won't spoil it twice either. If it sucks dick, then I'm not going to watch it. Well, <laughs> if anybody's
1: listening, if anybody's listening, I won't spoil any of the plot either. But there's a bunch of shit that happens backwards, and then the fights happen backwards, and then they start happening forwards later on, and then buildings are exploded, and then their reefs exploding, and uh, everybody dies in the end. Spoiler mm. alert. Wait, <laughs> did you say spoiler alert in the beginning or do you say that at the end? Either it's which way, it's a it, fucked it, up movie.
2: It doesn't matter. I'm mean, doing people a favor, but um, you know. it's I don't know, that last act, I was like, where are we now? Why are we here? And when are we?
1: You know what I mean? It didn't make any sense. I was absolutely super duper confused the whole time. And then I started thinking, am I stupid? Maybe I'm not that smart of a person. Maybe everybody loves this and I'm just not smart enough to get it. I kept rewinding shit. And I'm glad you said about, about how the sound quality was so low because I kept, I turned my fan off because I'm like, is my fan too loud? Why can I not fucking hear this?
2: I'd have to do it with subtitles, I think. But, you know, where Christopher Nolan got it right with Inception was that he had a character be a sort of conduit to the audience, which is a- a- Adriana. <laughs> Ad- yeah. A- Ariana. She was sort of like, because the whole film was a metaphor for the filmmaking process itself or the storytelling process itself. You're creating an illusion. We said this on a previous podcast. It's like a magic trick. It's not really magic. It's not, It's the illusion of magic. And when you tell a story, it'd be you being a comedian telling a bit, you're creating this illusion that takes people away from that present moment. It takes them away from their present, whatever's going on in their head. And if if it's done wrong, it's going to take them, it's going to break the illusion, take them out of that story, just like the dream in inception. Once they know they're dreaming, the whole thing implodes in on itself. And it's like, that's what we're doing. And Christopher Nolan, you just made me want to watch that movie
1: again. You made me want to watch that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's
2: it, man. That's what I do, you know? You can never, film shit, mate. I ain't selling it. <laughs> <But> Inception's <laughs> exactly. good. But Inception's good. And I appreciate it for what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and it really plays on a lot of not tropes, but a lot of genre highlights, like the femme fatale, which is played by Marion Cotillard, Mao, <laughs> you know, the femme fatale, the, you know, it's all these different genre, of genres that really pays tribute to them. Like 007 in the, in the lower level dream, uh, Her, Her Majesty, Secret Service, Nolan's always been a Bond fan. So, he had it snowy in the bottom bottom layer.
0: You should write no, <laughs> it's fucking autobiography, bro.
2: No, nah, man. It wouldn't end or his right. eulogy.
0: Leave <laughs> Tenant out.
2: Yeah, leave <laughs> Tenant out. We don't talk about that film. Uh, Interstellar was okay. Not
0: as great, but it was
2: good. I liked Interstellar. Yeah, I like, Interstellar. I, like Interstellar. I like the fact they got a real physicist on board to actually design the, the, the fucking engine that they make the CGI with. That's genius. Yeah. Two that, papers. That, in, Two in papers got made because of you that. You can
0: watch a second time and appreciate it more. Because the first time, mm. I didn't really... Mate, second that. time
2: that scene when Matthew McConaughey talks to his son getting older and his, and his daughter may that's fucking hard uh-huh. when 13 great, years have passed great.
1: I love that movie. I absolutely years.
2: love that yeah. movie. Hans Zimmer straight down. I love listening to his music.
1: That's crazy. You know, the guy I moved with from uh, my, one of my best friends. I mean, I lived with him in Chicago. I lived, didn't live with him in college, but we met in college. Um, but I, we were fucking roommates for like eight years in Los Angeles uh when we moved to LA he was uh Hans Zimmer's assistant sound engineer
2: yeah nice well Hans Zimmer wasn't on tenant so I think that's one of the reasons why the, it, the sound mixing is shitty and well it's three things Christopher <laughs> Nolan being pretentious Hans Zimmer not doing the soundtrack and it having to be recorded and probably in a house
0: Yeah, it, you don't realize how much sound means to a movie or a TV series uh, it gives it an identity doesn't it
1: yeah, you don't realize it till it's till it's bad. It's you know what I mean. It's kind of like you yeah, don't want
2: yeah. the the illusion breaks. It takes you out the story.
1: Yeah, because you go, yeah, because imagine
2: fucking... Star
0: Wars without oh. John Williams. Imagine it was just fucking. You know what I mean. It wouldn't be the same. I mean, obviously the film. No, would, that
1: but... makes everything. I, I now how is it with? I was just talking about this the other day with my buddy Johnny. Um, how, because me and him always loved going to the cinema, going to not just watch a movie, but actually going to the theater, having that experience with everybody, popcorn, mm. the whole fucking thing. And, um, you know, I haven't been able to do that for 14 months now. Are people going yeah. to theaters again out there? Are they opening back up or are they still uh, you can't do shit.
2: Two, three weeks time? But you know, what I find we we're all kind of what we call empaths. You know, I mean, even though we're quite introverted, we keep to ourselves, but we're very empathetic, aren't we? Like, that's why we like going to the cinema to experience the joy with everyone else. That's why I watch reaction videos on occasion. Not so much these days, but, yeah, you know, I like seeing other people's reactions. I'm an empathetic, you know. I, like to I just watched
1: a reaction video of Marvel just released this. Hey, we got all these movies that are coming back to the cinema. I remember going to the fucking cinema and they showed one of the Avengers movies. And there's one scene where all the other Avengers like all got together and shit. And then now, like, oh, shit, it's on now. And it was a packed, sold-out movie theater. And everybody cheering and clapping. It fucking choked me up. Mm. And it's just a fucking Avengers movie. I was like, oh, man, I miss... There's that sense of camaraderie that you can't Mm. get streaming stuff. There's that sense of a mob mentality of like, wow, all of us are experiencing this and it creates joy joy creates joy you know mm-hmm. if it's everything is infectious if you're in a, if you're in a, I could go to a funeral of someone i don't know and, and never met before just want randomly oh there's a funeral let me go check this out and leave there feeling somber and sad and you know and and even though i didn't even know just because everybody has that empathetic kind of thing because it's really with all of our differences with everything else you cannot avoid that at some level we all have the human experience. That's the only thing we really have in common. There is we a can argue there. about religion. We can argue about religion. We can argue about race. We can argue about sexual preference. And we can argue about gender. We can argue about employment. We can argue about status and, and, and all that. But then when push comes to shove, when we lose all of our electricity, when we lose all of our cell phones, when we lose all of our Apple watches, when we gotta fucking struggle to survive we're just talking animals we're just smart we're animals that are so arrogant that we don't think we're animals we're, we're intelligent enough to think that we're not animals
2: you know what i mean like george carlin says you know we're smart enough to turn the turn the wheel but not smart
1: enough to question it <laughs> i love that oh he was arguably my, power, my all-time time favorite i'm paraphrasing. well oh, arguably my all-time favorite oh, was george carlin right I got one. For I was you, just right? talking about him that he. I was just on Renaziz's podcast. We were talking about American football, and uh, I was saying that Carlin had a great joke where he goes, "Every everybody always gives Jesus Christ credit um, for winning the game, but no one blames Jesus for losing the game." <laughs> they go, "Hey, what happened with the big game?" He goes, "Well, yeah, everything was going great till Jesus Christ made me drop that pass." <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, George Carlin really set the standard for a lot of comedians today, you know, in his work ethic more than anything, because he would make a a new special every, every year or every three years or whatever. He was always. Absolutely. I have no time. We bitched about a few British comedians um, on a couple of podcasts ago saying like they would have very small alterations of their last special three years later. Yeah, it'd be the same thing. And it's like you'd never see these comedians ever go to open mic sessions and film them like Louis CK did just being the big hangers the big theaters nowhere else doing the yeah, same yeah. jokes they did three years ago but george carlin opened my eyes to like wow you can just scrap it and start again that's what it's all about not clinging to it not letting it be your identities like i said that next
1: one absolutely i mean he was one of the first to kind of look at that like almost like um you know what if a musician released an album and they go hey we got three new versions of that last song everybody liked on our last album and then three other new songs it's like wait Hmm. I, why would i pay for this song again i already have this song you know what i mean i'm actually kind of getting yeah. sick of hearing you sing it yeah.
2: well i love <laughs> that's why i love the story about louis ck when he was talking about him being a struggling comedian he was doing the same shit hour for for 15 years at like chinese restaurants while people are eating and then he listens yeah. to this biography bit on cassette about george carlin and he talks about him scrapping that hour every year and uh, yeah and louis ck said that's what i've got to do so he just scrapped all his shitty 15 year old material and started again and that's when he start popping up 2005 it's five minutes a month If any
1: other if, if anybody listening to this is a comic or aspiring comic or a thing like a a new hour every year is five minutes a month you have to come up with five new minutes every month and that's an hour for mm. a year that doesn't now it doesn't seem so daunting yeah now it doesn't seem like hey I gotta sit down and write a whole hour no you got to just keep going to the gym as a metaphor keep going to work and just get five new minutes. Get that five minutes really good. Put mm-hmm. it on the shelf. Okay, that's that. I know that five minutes is good. Now let me get another five minutes. In one month, you have to come up with five minutes, and you do that twelve times. That's a new hour every year. That, that's not mm-hmm. that daunting. Well, my, that's my, why,
0: um that's why I respect Kill Tony Show so much because he gives opportunity for people to do that. You know, go sure. up to sixty seconds and write it every week. Because if you see the next comedian on the next week, they've got a different 60 seconds. It might be shitter than last week's, but they're trying.
1: You sure. know? Yeah. And they
0: stand there and take a fucking beating from whoever the guest is sometimes.
1: Sure, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's part of it. I mean, that's also part of the, uh, the culture of stand-up. And that's like if you can't – hey, if you, can't, you can't always be the person throwing snowballs. Yeah, You've got to get think- hit
0: you've you yeah you've got to be able to take a joke you can't you
1: have to be able to be the butt of a joke you have to be able to be the butt of a joke uh yeah. otherwise you're just a bully <laughs>
2: yeah yeah we you know what I mean we grew up in a town like i said mostly scottish people so we learned to develop a thick skin very quickly we found that by self-deprecating made us better people
1: absolutely and it also makes you not care it makes you not so sensitive you know what yes. I mean? It's like if you, you know, one thing I love to do when I do like a lot of roast, I do a lot of roast. you know, people have, oh, we're having a roast show or roasting somebody whatever. And whenever I go up, the first thing I do is roast the living shit out of myself. I'll say every fucking thing you could possibly say about myself in 30 seconds. And then the rest of the fucking night, if anybody says anything about me, I'm like, yeah, I already said that. Yeah. Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not insulting to me if I'm making jokes about it first.
2: Yeah. Again, you know, you know we're, talking, we're talking earlier about that whole deconstruction process. Like we've seen the worst quality of qualities of ourselves and had to confront them and acknowledge them and overcome them. So there's nothing you can say that can hurt me. It sticks and stones. That's all it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Now, what do you do with the gym? I'm a personal trainer, but, um, you know, I've got my fingers in three different pies now, you know, the gym is what pays the bills. Uh, it's what provides the money but i only do 32 hours a week so that's manageable and i enjoy being there it's a very sociable job i like you know interacting with people on the gym floor you know a lot uh,
1: of hot a lot of hot birds as they call them over there, birds.
2: yeah but i've got a girlfriend yeah. so i've been in a relationship for a year and a half and she, you know she's perfect so i'm content
1: yeah you know? ah good for you good for you what about you sean are you single yeah man
0: single ready not to mingle <laughs>
1: Fucking Dan, fucking hook him up with some of those fucking hot pussy over at the gym. Well, I live 200 miles away, so he's got to move down here
2: first before we can do
1: that. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Getting the I'm just, in the
0: ocean,
1: just from looking at Sean, I'm pretty sure that fucker will drive 200 miles for some ass. He needs to, he needs to get a driving license first. <laughs> yeah. I think he would steal a car for some pussy. You look like the kind of guy that knows how to steal a car, Sean. His brother getting get him one.
0: I'm not joking. Yeah, my brother might be able to teach me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah you know i mean so like you know i do the gym but then i i write you know I'm, i've just finished a novel uh and i'm doing oh a wow yeah i love writing i love scenarios you know i'm a big fan of elmo leonard you know elmo leonard that situational humor dry doesn't uh-huh. take stuff too seriously but it really you know i'm all about developing characters you know just
0: to clarify dean doesn't steal cars
2: anyway, he doesn't Elmore you know, Leonard. <laughs> I, I, I don't care about dragons and wizards and all that shit i'm all about those two guys snorting coke in the room what have they got to say that's sure. my kind of story, you know. That's what I focus on, and build a plot around
1: yeah, the, that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just relatable to me. And like, I, I'm the same thing, especially just for reading. Like, I, I don't be like, oh, you got to read the fucking, you know, all these like fantasy stories and all that. I just, I'd rather watch a movie like that. But if it's like a biography or somebody telling their own story in their words, that kind of shit, I, I'll, I'll eat it up. That's, mm, that shit, I'll read. I'll read that shit so fast because it's relatable to me. And it's something I'll be very curious about. I'm not curious about a dragon spitting fire on some fucking twat that needed her fucking pussy burned up. Anyway, no offense, women. No offense. Talking about dragon's pussy, not real
2: (laughs) pussy. You know, I love my conception. It's like that. I love that whole deconstruction process when you're trying to learn something. You know, when you're trying to reach that reach that level of mastery, they say it's something. It's like ten thousand hours to reach the level of mastery. Whether you be playing the guitar, whether you be writing, whether you be doing stand up comedic um, comic, you know, mm-hmm. it's such a there's the highs and lows that come with that, and it's such a buzz, such a thrill to reach the top, and then doubt yourself again, and then reach the top again. It's just like back and forth, back and forth. You the 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 hero's journey is cyclical, isn't it?
1: You know? Yeah. And it's also like, kind of like, what, like you're saying, it's like that when you deconstruct, you're ultimately saying like, what's this person's motivation? I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say for actors, but you're really like, why is this person acting in this way? Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to, re- then you have to kind of go backwards. You have to go upstream and go, Oh, well, now look at his relationship with his parents. Look at his relationship with his, you know, whatever the fuck it is, wh- wherever he came from, look at how this person was bullied his whole fucking life. You see that a lot with serial killers. That's why they're able to profile these serial killers because they go hey we've seen this 15 times what is the type of person we're looking for oh it's this it's this it's this it's this and they're almost always right because there is a mixture of scenarios of bad shit that happens to people that causes them to kill multiple people (laughs) 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 it's Uh unfortunate but there are those fucking patterns yeah um... and that's just deconstructing like why would this person be doing this
2: some of those stories are fascinating you know every once in a while go down that side of the internet where i'm looking at like you know the fucking mass shootings that go on or just events in life that just that you know leave their mark on history and you're like what was behind that i want to know more about the individual characters involved and you look into it you're like wow man jesus christ what what a picture like what fucking yeah you hate to
1: almost make them celebrities in a way where you're like i don't almost privately want to look that Mm -hmm. stuff up you know, yeah. I mean? be like, OK, well, what was this guy? Why did this guy eat human beings? Yeah. Like what would, but I don't want to be like, you know, talking about it and all that. So, you know, you don't want to give them almost like credit. And you also don't want to have like copycat things. But it's uh, how could you not be curious about what would drive a person to decapitate 15 people or whatever the fuck? Not that yeah. I've thought about decapitating people yet today, but uh, it's the
0: psychology in it. You're interested in fucking.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, I probably will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everybody, everyone's like, I could never murder somebody. I'm like, yeah, you could. Oh, you dude, just there's... can't imagine a scenario that would cause you like, to murder. Like, like Louis C.K. says, it's like, it just really
2: sucks getting caught murdering. We really need the law against murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's
2: a great bit. It's a great bit. Anyway, we've got about five minutes left, man. I got we got to cut this short. It's getting
1: late now. And I don't wait. For...
0: Oh, yeah, I totally forgot, man. I'm fucking... In...
1: How i could, I could go on. i could go on for another hour mate but it's just well really i'd good. love to do this again guys you guys are awesome guys so ha- ha- have me back how was don barris by the way Don barris <laughs> did we have him on? what's that oh i thought you i thought you were saying you were going to try to ha- you were trying to have don barris on um brian oh, holtzman. You, sh- oh you oh you had holtzman on
0: we're, we were trying oh. to get holtzman but oh. like we're we're new I'm surprised you even fucking replied to me, man. Like,
1: yeah, this we've is- been doing this since February. We're, this is since February. You got to get Holtzman on. Oh, that would be so good. I love Brian Holtzman.
0: Yeah, he's Brian hilarious. Holtzman is
1: a comics comic. He's, like, when he's going on stage, comics run, like, comics will be outside. Hey, you know, you'd be smoking a cigarette, you're like, hey, Holtzman's about to go on. And you're like, oh, shit. And take one last rip of your cigarette, and then you go in and watch Holtzman. Mm. Yeah,
0: Holtzman has great. the
1: balls that all comics wish they had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Don Barris is like that as well, actually. So, it was, um, oh, what's his name? Freddie Lockhart.
1: Oh, Freddie Lockhart. I love Freddie Lockhart. Yeah,
0: he's great. But it's I just love like, Freddie yeah, Lockhart. It's, Freddie it's Lockhart
1: and I wrong. used to be neighbors, and we would always play video games. This is way, when we both, it's probably twenty years ago. Well, not neighbors. We live about a block away, and we both would always play the same fucking uh, sports video games. Play, play Madden on on uh, on a uh, PlayStation. So we would always want to play and we kept a a notebook journal of our scores every time. And it was like, I mean, it was 50 pages of just our scores because he always used to fucking yeah kick his ass last night. I go, (laughs) we played four games. You only won one of them. You got a real weird memory because you lost three out of four games. So then I had to start keeping a journal of all of our scores so he couldn't motherfucking say shit. But we would always be like so broke back then that we would text each other. Hey, I got half a joint. And I got uh, fucking four beers. And then I'd be like, I got two Slim Jims. I got some leftover uh, pasta. And I got a bottle of wine. Cool, cool, cool. All right, I'll come. And then we would just compile whatever fucking. Because collectively, we both had enough shit to get us drunk or high. And a little something to eat. And then we would just fucking play video games on that. I love Freddie Lockhart.
0: Yeah, man, he's awesome. He's fucking hilarious as well. And It's just like it's solely like ice cold ice house crew, like um Ryan Mervis,
1: yeah, Mervis, uh,
0: Davey Johnson's fucking hilarious, uh huh, uh, Johnny Pemberton, love to Timberton. get all these guys, on. yeah.
1: Oh, I love that guy too,
0: yeah. All these Duncan dudes, I'd love to get them on, sure. but it's just, yeah, Duncan, man, I'd love to get him all that's been really possible. I think that's impossible.
1: Duncan really. and I sold – the summer I met Duncan Trussell, we sold – within four days of knowing each other, we bought $100 worth of liquid acid, and we were selling acid <laughs> together. <Nice. laughs> <Help me. laughs> that's hilarious. Well, you guys are the best, man. Uh, real quick, I just want to plug. Uh, Punch Runk Sports, me, Ari Shafir, Sam Tripoli, uh, on iTunes, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Spotify, whatever the fuck. but Give us a listen. Appreciate that. And then next week, I got a a stand-up comedy album coming out called Covidiot. I recorded it at the end of uh, right before the new year, um, right outside Chicago um, during the pandemic. And it's very funny. So go to iTunes or wherever you would purchase comedy and get my new comedy album, Covidiot.
2: Yes. If you send us the details and then I'll make sure I put them in post as well. Will do, guys. Will do. Uh, before you leave, real quickly,
1: what's your favorite movie? See, that's tough, man, because I can go favorite comedy. I can go favorite. Oh, no, it's not. I know my favorite movie. Uh, it's Contact. Okay. Oh. I haven't seen it, but I have good things. Contact with uh, Jodie Foster. It was a book written by Carl Sagan. Uh, that they turned into a movie that he actually never saw it right before it premiered. He passed away That's why at the very end it just says for Carl. That's because he wrote the uh, the original uh, book it was a novel first uh, Just about how aliens how they contact us Yeah, and
2: pale, uh Pale blue dog will go down in history as the greatest speech of all time next
1: to Charlie Chaplin's great dictator. Yeah that's up there. Pale Blue Dot's right up there. But yeah, Contact, please. If there's anything I can tell you, Dan and Sean, watch that movie, Contact. Smoke a little weed, watch that movie. If you ever want to feel small and, and connected to something way bigger at the exact same time, uh, Contact. I've seen it. I read the book a bunch, but, and I've seen the movie probably 10 times. I uh, yes, love man. the movie, Contact. I mean, Caddyshack, Gosh. I love. Windy City Heat by Don Barris and Jimmy Kimmel, I love. Uh, there's so many movies I love, but Contact is a movie that still can conjure real emotions out of me that I think are necessary. Yeah, um, sweet, it's on the list. Awesome, dude. That's awesome. Well, man, we'd it's love true. to have you back on again,
2: man. That has uh, been awesome.
1: Anytime, guys.